This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. The Buck Off Podcast with Lane Grant. Hosted by Christopher Rennie. Welcome in everybody, this is your host Christopher Rennie bringing you an awesome extra national, early national signing day edition of the Buck Off Podcast with Land Grant Holy Land. Today is going to be a long and wild show because any day in Ohio State covering the team, you don't get any rest. It's always something. And I'm excited because I think Buckeye Nation has given us a long list of things to discuss that we actually had to chop down this week. So I'm excited. And as always, I'm here with Jordan Williams. Uh, how are you doing today, Jordan? Uh, I'm good. I can't complain. It's another day. I'm starving. I'm happy to talk about the Buckeyes. And we have some uh, fresh blood in the program, which is always interesting to see who signs, who doesn't, um, and to kind of... You know, we're going to talk about transfers later, so you don't want to get too attached to these guys, but it's always fun when, when people come in. It's always fun to see how Ohio State does it. I don't think, I think they've already done their best one and they'll never top it again, but this one was pretty cool. I, I don't really like that. So I'm, I'm doing good. Yeah. And I think we should start the show by just saying, like, congratulations to all the athletes. Like, this is an incredible feat. I know a lot of people are trying to make light of today just because of how the transfer portals are working. And, like, a lot of people are like, oh, a lot of these guys are going to be one and done anyways. I got a terrible attitude. I think, you know, your initial, no one wants to go somewhere to transfer. I think it's a really exciting time for a lot of young guys. Ohio State adding, I want to say, what was it, 18 of them today or 17 players today? Uh, 17 officially, but it'll 18 be 18 on when Gabe Powers commits. Yeah. So he's just doing something special at his high school. Yeah. Ryan Day said this class should get to around 20. So we've got a few more guys who are going to be joining up with the program. So that's exciting to hear. Um, but yeah, overall, signing day is done uh, at this point. I hope it's 8.03 on Wednesday. Uh, if anyone's signing any letter of intents now, that's kind of it's kind of rude of you. I guess there's the West, West Coast. But we're recording now. I don't think any of the Ohio State news will change or anything along those lines. So uh, early signing day takeaways. Uh, first look at Ohio State commitments. Uh, any guys standing out to you initially in this class outside of the regular guys, which we'll talk about as well? Yeah, well, um, so I tweeted this and I want to see exactly what it was, how it was said, because my biggest takeaway is something that I think they've been needing to do for a while. Sorry, too many Pro Bowl tweets. Blah, 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 blah. OK, um, what was it? What was the exact number? It was five out of the top eight commits are on defense. That is major. Um, one of the. One of the hmm, what's the right word? I think one of the accurate like if you want to talk about Ryan Day and his flaws and stuff like criticism, that's the word. One of the accurate criticisms and a lot I use accurate for a reason because a lot of y'all's criticism, criticism of him is not accurate, is that his recruiting 
largely slanted towards offense. Um, and if you look at the five-star composite, most of the five stars on the team were wide receivers and quarterbacks, and half of them weren't even playing. Um, so I think this is important that the best players in this class are on defense, that the a large – it's not just one or two. Five out of the top eight are on defense, and there are some who could slide into this who haven't committed yet. So that's my biggest takeaway. Ohio State has – and they did it a little bit last year too. Ohio State has, you know, looked and realized like, hey, um, we have an issue on defense. We dipped in recruiting. We have all of these studs on offense. We're not going to stop recruiting studs, but let's put our focus on defensive recruiting and so that is my biggest takeaway yeah i like i like that takeaway i think the emphasis of the defense recruiting really landed some studs i think you know keeping the in-state talent home in powers and hicks is going to be like monumental when we look at the teams down the road in two to three years but i i think when you really look at this class i i want to give uh I mean, like, you've got four superstar receivers reloading again. Like, Brian Hartline did it again. I think that's a huge takeaway. And this wasn't even – it didn't even feel like the same type of big drama. It's like he found four guys he really wanted. He went and got them and locked in an awesome group of players. It felt pretty early. It didn't feel like there was any drama with those four guys. And there's a few guys still out there that Ohio State might look at in that room. Uh, I think – you touched on the defense. I think the offensive recruiting stayed at an extremely high level. I don't think a single player in this class I've disappointed in on the offensive side of the ball. And they're still out on an offensive lineman, Carson Hensman. That's going to be a recruiting battle that comes down to the end. So uh, you, we're, we're talking about that. Who's the number one recruit, the one you think we needed the most in this class? Uh, before I answer this, I do want to speak on the offense very quickly. The only bad thing they did on offense was get two Caleb B's because now we have to remember who is who. And I'm not the biggest fan of that. Uh, yeah. We got Caleb Burton and Caleb Brown. They're spelled different, but they both play wide receiver. And that's just not fair. Yeah, like, that's true. Not right. And like, why uh, would you do this to us? And we're completely avoiding the offensive tackle recruiting, but that's not because we want to. It's because we we have to, or you guys would kill us. <laughs> so, uh, so, so we've yeah, already but we've already done our talking about <laughs> Coach Studera. Like we're just gonna let him live today. Like we're just gonna talk about the good stuff now. We're gonna talk about some of the bad stuff later, but we're gonna talk about the good stuff right now. We're gonna keep this exciting. Yeah, so the number one commit for me, and this may seem like um, I hopped on the bandwagon or whatever, but the number one commit for me outside of Devin Brown, whatever, is Caden Curry. And the reason why is like, dude looks like a freaking stud. Yeah. And and everyone, everyone's basically saying is like, it's Midwest bias. Like they're saying like, if he was in the South, if he was in Texas, he was in Georgia, he was in Florida, he would be a much higher recruit. But because he's in Indiana, a place that's not known for recruits. He kind of, you know, I don't think people studied him the way that they were supposed to. But I mean, 6'3", 250, he plays on the inside, but can play outside. I was reading one article that was like, if you think he's too small to play on the outside, um, Nick Bosa was 6'4", uh, 265. The kid can add 15 pounds and he's 18, so maybe he gains an inch. He's essentially Nick Bosa's size, maybe a little smaller, but he can play inside, outside. I watched his tape. He looks like a freaking stud. Um, I love the the it's not going to happen again when they asked him about Michigan. So, And I, I'm, I'm a defensive line guy, so for me, I think it's him. I I, I haven't heard a, a bad thing. There are only 50 people in the country who win Mr. Football. Um, he won Mr. Football for his state. 
State, a two-time state champion, I think it was. So he knows he knows how to win. Uh, yeah, that's that's my guy. He's a stud. I'm looking forward to to seeing him. Um, same with Kenyatta Jackson. Obviously, another D-line guy. He won Gatorade Player of the Year in his state. So, um, but I think the flexibility in position with Caden Curry and, and watching his tape, I'm I'm on the I'm on the train. Yeah, Curry is insane. I, I think. Uh, when it's a recruitment that comes down to Ohio State and Alabama, that says all you need to know about the type of player he is. I think Notre Dame was in on it too. So, like, he was a nationally recognized recruit that didn't have the same ranking respect that his offers probably warranted he had. Uh, so, I, I really, Caden Curry is an exciting prospect for sure. I think he's one of those guys. Uh, Ike, you talked about him putting on 15 pounds, moving to defense, and he might be able to put on 35, 40 pounds to be an elite pass rushing three technique. And that's kind of scary, too, if you think about that. Yeah. I mean, it literally, you know, it's He's, it's recruiting. Anything can happen. You you can't get to a test. But with a guy like him, the um, – the sky is the limit. Like, yeah. I, I think he's as guaranteed as guaranteed can yeah. be. I think he's guaranteed to be some sort of stud. I think, you know, I hate using players, but like, I think at worst he's Sam Hubbard and at best he's one of the bosses. And like Sam Hubbard was, wasn't amazing, but he was very, like very critical. He served as a, as a great quote unquote second fiddle. He went to the league and he's having a very progressing career. He's not a superstar, but he, nobody at Ohio state hates Sam Hubbard. Like, and I hope, I hope how I'm explaining it is not undervaluing him. Like maybe some people are mad at me, but like, Sam Hubbard was a stud, but he wasn't a star. I think at worst, Caden Curry is a stud, maybe not a star, but he does have star potential is the easiest way to to say it. Yeah, absolutely. I think he was one of the late adds to the class. It's just absolutely spectacular. Uh, I'm torn between two players. Like my offensive uh, pass really wants me to say Devin Brown because I just love the kid. Uh, but the like, I, I'm just so happy that CJ Hicks is finally a Buckeye. You know, that's just it, it was it's a long time coming. I think if you said, hey, CJ Hicks, like who's recruiting? How, how's recruiting going? He's like, it's going good. And then you look at all the names that he talked to. He was attached to. He was always chatting with like when your best player is a leader in the class. It's really nice to see him. But you know what? I'm going to stick with my offensive side. I am so excited for Devin Brown. Like I, I watched this highlight tape probably more than any recruit on here just because I love the quarterback position. I love the receiver position. So those two kind of go hand in hand. And the way he's able to throw off platform, the way he's able to throw on the move, the way he's able to put gas on the football, the way he's able to throw it to all levels at different paces. And it's just incredible. And I think, you know, with the loss of Quinn Ewers, with all the transfers leaving, Ohio State needed some excitement in that room. And they – Found a recruit late. Uh, there were some issues with USC, the coaching changes, all that stuff. And uh, reading some reports, Ohio State was kind of in on them while USC still had a coach. So they were playing a long game. Quinn Ewers reclassifies. They really get in on Devin Brown. They get him to commit. And Ohio State gets another quarterback in the room that's very high caliber, similar to C.J. Stroud. He was a late riser. He was a late riser like Stroud, uh, very talented, played in a competitive league in Arizona. So I just think he's bringing a ton to the table. I think we talked about a pre-show, the way he committed with all the poker chips and betting on himself, like 
that's the attitude you want. And I just think he fits what Ryan Day wants to do with a quarterback perfectly. Yeah, I think that they're obviously talent and leadership and all the other qualities you can say about football. But there are certain positions and certain guys who have that it factor. And everyone knows what it is, but nobody can describe it. CJ Hicks has that it factor. Um, Devin Brown has that it factor. I mean, I saw I saw the dude talk for 30 seconds and I was all in. Like, I'm officially I'm. I'm officially ready to retire as the leader of the McCord Marines and take up a new position as the, the in the Brown Brigade. Like I'm, I'm with it. Uh, I think he's a stud. I think that um, the quarterback battle, because I, I still don't think McCord's leaving. The quarterback battle between Devin Brown and McCord is going to be nuts, and I genuinely think there's a really real chance that Devin Brown wins it and he's the starter next year, um, replacing a. Sorry, two years. You all understand. I mean, the year after Stroud. I'm already yeah, in off season mode. <laughs> this is all. This is already 2022. I'm in off season mode. But just to clarify, I think he has a very real shot of being the starting quarterback in 2023. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I I just I think the the recruiting in general. It's an exciting class for only being 18, is it now? But I kind of want to take a second and like. I don't want to call it the bottom half of this class, but I kind of want to go to the the more the guys in the three hundreds. You know, I wasn't in that level. I was an NR when I was in high school, so uh, not talking any smack when I say bottom half of this group. But are there any players kind of in that like bottom third of this class, like the lower six players that kind of stand out to you that you're really excited for? So um, I'm really interested in Bennett Christian, the tight end, um, because he I, I feel like and a lot of people say this. Every single tight end in college football, every single one coming from high school is a developmental pro, uh, project uh, just because half of them are tight ends because they were one position and then they grew too much or they were one position and they didn't grow enough. And so now they're trying to figure out their body and stuff. But he is, and obviously just with the lack of tight ends on the roster and the lack of true tight ends on the roster, I think he's someone that could have an impact early. I think, I don't think he gets redshirted and, I mean, we don't throw to tight ends anyway. So from everything I've read about him and what I've seen, he's like a plus blocker already, which is where most tight ends at Ohio State need to develop. So I think he's really interesting. The other one I'm interested in is is Kai Stokes, four-star, 357. He's an athlete. Supposedly, uh, again, I I'm not a recruiting expert unless I'm right. As Chris always says, supposedly he was recruited to play safety and he's just like an underrated athlete. Um, and so, I mean, he is a four star. It's hard. I guess it's hard to be underrated. underrated as a four star, <laughs> but like as underrated as a four star can be. Cause he's three fifty seven nationally. Supposedly he's like a, a plus athlete. And so he it has, he's six, he's six to one eighty five, which is great size for a, an 18 year old who wants to be a corner, who wants to be a safety. You get him up to six to two Oh five. He's a freaking stud. So, um, I'm interested in Bennett Christian in the short term, Kai Stokes maybe a little bit in the long term as a as a project at safety. Yeah, I think Kai Stokes, especially now that Jim Knowles, because he was the player I was most excited to talk about in this like bottom third here. Kai Stokes is a is a guy who's gonna probably make 
an impact, not immediately in Jim Knowles' system, but Jim Knowles uses three true safeties a lot. And he puts on a little bit of weight, like you said. He's going to be one of those guys who can get out cover man-to-man. He's going to be a guy who could guard running backs in the flat. He could play tight ends because of his length. Uh, He's just such a versatile athlete, and that's how his high school team used him. So I think, you know, you look at Sonny Styles at the top end of this class. You look at Kai Stokes on the – High side, but the low side, if you know what I'm saying. Not discrediting any of these kids here. They're better than me. So, uh, Kai Stokes has that same similar versatility to C.J. Hicks where he can just kind of do everything on the defensive side of the ball because of his athleticism. The difference is one's 235 pounds in high school. The other is 185 pounds and has a frame to fill out. But I I think he's going to be an extremely valuable asset to have because I think – you know, some players come in and they don't really want – like if you're a high four-star, you kind of want that immediate gratification of playing. I think when you're kind of in this 300 range, you're okay with kind of sitting around a little bit, getting your opportunities on special teams, working your way in practice, and then getting the opportunity on the field. I think Kai Stokes is going to be one of those guys who doesn't flash early, but eventually he's just going to be a guy who's playing ball, and he's going to be huge for Ohio State. Yeah, I definitely see that potential with him. Um, I, I mean, again, it's hard to call a four-star developmental yeah. project yeah. Pro- prospect, but it's like, I mean, yeah, like he has some frame to fill out. He has some time. There's some guys in front of him, so I think he, I think he's a, I think he's a straight red shirt this year. Next year, he contributes on special teams, and then he's he's a, he ends up being like a four year guy, and he's a two year starter. Like I think like, I could I could see that third fourth round pick. Like I think he's a guy that you can fall in love with. Yeah. Like we all know like this, and it's so it's so hard using comparisons, especially because they're not the same type of player. Mm-hmm. I just I, when I use comparisons, I try to mean like what they mean to but Buckeyes and and how they how they contributed, not what they do. He could be a Jordan Fuller type to me. A little bit of a late bloomer, but he's a two-year starter, goes to the pros, a little bit overlooked and can have a good career. Um, We all love Jordan Fuller, but like the national media didn't love Jordan Fuller. Like People didn't really understand how good he was, and I think Kai Stokes has that potential um, to kind of blossom into that. And that's very high expectations, which is why it's very hard to compare them to actual players. And we know how their career ended. Uh, but like Jordan Fuller wasn't an All-American. He doesn't have a tree, you know, like he wasn't yeah. on all of these teams and stuff. But he's still a very great Buckeye. Um, someone fans look fondly of and has a good pro career going. So I don't think that's too high of a, of a, of a standard. Um, but I mean, if he becomes a Jordan Fuller, he's a. Yeah. Two year starter, you know what I mean? Yeah. Two year starter at Ohio State is <laughs> pretty good. Yeah, I think the hope for him is we get a guy like Jordan Fuller or but high end just because his freakish athleticism. This was a guy who ran, I think their his twenty four seven profile said a ten six hundred meter dash. Like Sheesh. that dude's flying. So if like God, you know that that's like Molly Cooker level athleticism. I don't want to throw that name out there lightly, but that's what I'm like that's like not the comparison I want, but that's like the athletic comparison I want you guys to understand. Like he's that freaky of an athlete. Yeah, he went ten and eight. Ten and eight. Yeah, that's ten insane. Eight. That's insane. Under eleven. I mean, I'm not a tracker, but I know under eleven is like where you start getting into that. Like, all right, this guy could run track. 
he picked off five. I've I've never went this deep into someone's recruiting profile. I honestly didn't even know it had all this information. This is the first time I'm doing it live on the podcast. It says he picked off five passes and nine games, five passes, 34 tackles in nine games. Um, that's that's yeah, pretty. That's solid. pretty good. That's a, like, I mean, I don't know about you, but like, some dudes don't get five interceptions in their career. Yeah. They're not the they're not the easiest thing to get. Uh, yeah, if you if ask your real peppers, how hard they are to get. <laughs> so, um, it's not. It's definitely not something that you can teach. Being a ball hawk is not something that just they don't grow on trees. It's just not the way it works. Uh, but. Like I said before the show started, we're, we're talking about the positives right now, but there were some serious misses this year. Uh, I think you could kind of get into the offensive line. I think you kind of get into that. But I, I kind of want to look at the defensive backs, mostly because the Terrence Brooks late flip to Texas really got Ohio State fans uh, it all, all in their fields, kind of going after NIL, going after Texas going after kind of the world of college football where it's going. And, you know, Terrence Brooks is from Little Elm. Little Elm's had a track to Austin for decades from what I was reading about Little Elm High School. Uh, they are really good. The issue with Terrence Brooks wasn't the money. I, that was probably part of it. Uh, the allure to stay home plus the money is really what did it. You know, if you can make that money and stay home, it's much better for a kid who doesn't have to travel 2,500 miles, or I guess it's 1,500 from Texas. Uh, the DB recruiting this year, it has not been good. Uh, we're we're going to talk about these as well, but Matt Barnes and Kerry Combs did not rank well in the recruiter rankings. Uh, how do you feel that reflects on Ohio State's recruiting approach this year? So I'm I'm having a hard time with that. Um, well, clearly it wasn't enough, and I'm not trying to make excuses because obviously they are on those kind of guys. I'm just looking. Okay, this is what I'm trying to say. It matters in the instance of your Ohio State. You shouldn't be missing. You have to do better. I don't think it matters in the roster overall roster construction though because of how good they did last year if that makes sense i mean i just pulled it up they had number 50 overall jacalyn johnson they have number 73 jordan hancock two cornerbacks um they have um number 169 four-star safety andre tarantine number 172 four-star safety jansen dunn they had no one 196 denzel burke who's the best of all of them and nobody expected to do that we know what denzel burke did i mean that's five uh and then they had uh an ohio guy an ohio guy 415 jalen johnson um three-star guy they had six, if my math is right, six DBs in the last class. Most of them four stars. A lot of them high ranked, top one hundred guys. So, <clears throat> in the matter of roster construction, I don't think it's that big of a deal. But in the matter of your Ohio State, you need to recruit better. Like you, everyone told me, I can't say fire Kerry Cohn because he's such a great recruiter. It's an issue. Like you can't lose your two top highest recruits. Like you can't lose, you know. You can't lose uh, Terrence Brown and you can't lose Jaheim Singletary. You can't lose both of them. And it's fine to say, oh, whatever. They both went home. Terrence Brown stayed in Texas. Jaheim Singletary is from either Georgia or Florida. So he relatively stayed home. He went to Georgia. But it's just like, 
you can't do that. And then and then you add in missing on Zion Branch, who didn't stay home, and you had you had the lead on him. And I understand that Lincoln Riley to USC is like a really cool thing. It's the it thing right now. But half of that class, half of that class decommitted. Like the last their class was in like the eighties. They had like six guys. So I understand it's the it thing, but most of the people who recruited to Lincoln Riley were twenty twenty three. So you let a guy who's been at his job for a week steal one of your highest commits and Zion Brands. I, I I don't rock with that. That's not good. And again, sure, if you want to say in Xavier in Wonkba, it's because he stayed home. That's fine. I get it. He did stay home. We talked about it last week. That's not the biggest deal. Like some kids just want to stay home. But when you add it together, Jaheim Singletary, Terrence, Terrence Brown or is it Brooke? Terrence Brooks. Terrence Brooks, Zion Brands and Xavier and Wonkba, the four highest guys that you wanted at, at a position of need, and none of them come here. Like, yeah. uh, that's bad. That's bad. That's, no matter how you play it. That's kind of where I was at. Like, you know, I, I looked at recruiting last year. It was definitely defensive back heavy because they were making up for all the lost time with Tavir Johnson and Alex Grinch. But this year it felt like – they maintained an emphasis on the safety position. I know we talked throughout the season and in the offseason that safety needs to be a big one because we've got Josh Proctor, and then we have a lot of unproven guys. So we just need depth there. Missed out on the two top targets, like badly. Uh, one stayed home. Zion Branch losing out in the last week. I know Las Vegas is super close uh, to Southern California. But overall, you've gotten kids from Bishop Gorman to choose you over USC before. That's a tough loss. I don't like, and then the thing that amplifies the loss of Zion Branch is now you're going to lose Zachariah Branch next year, so that's going to be tough. Uh, but overall, I just think this is kind of what's going to transition us in the next part. Uh, Ohio State's got a lot of coaches who are kind of lacking here per per the twenty four seven sports recruiter rankings, and I know Ryan Day's a nice guy. Uh, I'm trying to pull it up real quick. Uh, it's not great. It's not. We had uh, – I'm pulling it up. I'm almost there, guys. Sorry. Sorry, bad podcasting. Don't worry. Don't worry. We're going to fix this. Ohio State coaches national recruiting rankings. Here we go. Al Washington, number four. First off, don't buy it. Good for Al Washington, but don't buy it. Uh, Brian Hartline, number seven. He got – oh, yeah. Plus, Al Washington, let's check this off the list. He got – named CJ Hicks, Gabe Powers, both Ohio kids. So, congratulations. You did your job. Brian Hartline, number seven. All right, that's what's come to be expected. High standards for Brian Hartline. Larry Johnson, number 59. You know, he missed on some big names. Still has an opportunity to improve that with guys like Hero Canoe, Amaria Bohr. Like, that's still out in the open. Good for – he'll be fine. Tony Alford, he didn't really have a lot of room to take a lot of guys, but he did do a great job assisting on others. And also, number 69. Nice. Studera, number 107. Actually – Kind of shocked me. Uh, he has missed a lot. He does a great job of keeping in-state prospects home. I know we don't need to celebrate that because that is the job of Ohio State. But, I could keep in-state prospects home. Yeah. But, you know, if he wins a couple of these down the stretch, if he could win this Hensman one, he could kind of redeem himself a little bit. But still, no, I think we're missing too many of these big names. The Ernest Creams, these guys. 
really quickly, just because I saw this, uh, shout out to Bill Landis. Um, it, seven of the 10 highest players that Stud has recruited have all been inside players, centers and guards. Yeah. Even getting Hensman doesn't redeem himself because that's a guard. He does not recruit tackles at all. Yeah. So I just want to put I that out there. It's not a full on redemption. <laughs> I'm just saying. There's, there's nothing in my eyes that can redeem him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, Stud, we've already moved on from him. Like, Stud's going to stud. It's a meme. It's on the internet. But 107 shocked me. Can still close out this class pretty strong uh, compared to some other coaches. And that's what I was getting into. Compared to some other coaches, Stud, you know what? He actually redeemed himself a little bit. <laughs> Kevin Wilson, you know, he recruits tight ends. You're never going to get the big names. You're never going to, like, really be able to climb the ladder with that one in the recruiting rankings. Kerry Combs, Mr. Recruiter, guy everyone told me and Jordan, you got to keep. You got to keep him. He's a great recruiter. 244. You know, when you start looking at all those guys we just talked about, all those misses, that's what gets you down to 244. And then Matt Barnes, which, you know, I don't know. It's hard to be the the backup of the backup. Like, Kerry Combs was taking the primary recruiting role on a lot of the defensive backs. Matt Barnes, number 305. I, I don't know. Who we need to talk to about this? Gene Smith, maybe, I guess. Ryan Day. That's unacceptable. Get them both out of here. Corey Dennis at 312. I can't. I don't. That doesn't make any sense. He got two of the. He helped get two of the best quarterbacks in the country in the same class. One reclassified. Like, he did his job. You know who's not on here? Parker Fleming. Which means either, one, he doesn't have recruiting responsibilities, which means he shouldn't be on the staff. Or two, he's such a bad recruiter that he's not on the list, which means he shouldn't be a staff and on the staff. And three, he just shouldn't be on the staff because you don't need a recruiting coordinator as its own position. Just give that to somebody else. So uh, there are three people minimum on this list who, for other reasons, should have been fired. But and they're all because in of this list need to be fired. And that is Kerry Coons, Matt Barnes, and Parker Fleming. And Coach Stud, that 107 doesn't save you, dude. You're it out. doesn't. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't save matter. You. You're out. You're done. You, like, you've redeemed yourself because of how low you've set the bar. <laughs> and that like, is – that's just not good. Like, I understand that not every coach on the staff is going to be Brian Hartline. But that shouldn't be acceptable. You know, you can't yeah. miss on all your top targets at multiple positions and that be the standard. I get it. And Some of these guys are in the South. Some of these guys are in California. It makes it a lot harder. But the fact that just one coaching change slashed half these relationships with a coach, you know, earlier in the year, there was a recruit who said, yeah, Coach Stud really had – Emil Wagner. Coach Stud hadn't really been talking to me all that much. That was an in-state prospect that went to Notre Dame over Ohio State. That's one that's not acceptable. Yeah, um, and, and it's just like, okay, right? It just doesn't make any sense to me that – I understand he's a Kentucky kid, but Keontae Goodwin, first of all, let's just be honest, losing a five-star to Kentucky ever should be unacceptable. Like, yeah. it, it just is. And like, it's, I get it. Like, you can tell me a guy stayed home and picked Georgia. You can tell me a guy stayed home and picked – um, Texas. You can't tell me a guy stayed home. You can even tell me a guy stayed home and picked Iowa because Iowa is X number of miles away from Ohio and 
Iowa is in the Big Ten. I, I get Kentucky's in the SEC, but like it's Kentucky. You cannot tell me that a guy chose Kentucky, a five-star guy chose Kentucky over Ohio State when Ohio State was fully in on him. But the worst part, and this may be petty, this may be childish, whatever, the top two was Kentucky and Michigan State, which means he chose Kentucky and Michigan State over Ohio State, and the dude is probably three hours max from Columbus. Yeah, it's unacceptable. It just, it just no, like no, you don't get to, you don't get to tell me that you don't get to tell me that Michigan State had a chance to get a five star offensive tackle when we didn't, and a guy who you might as well consider half of Ohio, half of Kentucky's roster is Ohio. You might as well consider him an Ohio kid, and we couldn't get him. Come, you can drive further distances in Columbus and stay in Ohio than you probably could to his house. Yeah, uh, it's crazy. And I, I just think, you know, compounding on these things, the fact that Ohio State has, I want to say, Ryan Day seems to be a great recruiter. Uh, you've got Brian Hartline, good recruiter. Al Washington cleaned up, had two great players in the state. Did great, all that stuff was. I'm pretty sure one of the prime was either secondary or primary on Caden Curry, so good for him. Uh, Larry Johnson was it was one of those two flip flopped if I remember right. Uh, but regardless, they did a good job up in the front seven uh, as best they could. Um, the offense and the defensive backs, it, it's not it's not great, man. You know, like the fact Tony Alford had to get one of the. Kai Stokes, Tony Alford was the primary recruiter for Kai Stokes. Like that says a lot about how he was recruited. And that's, that's another knock on the defensive backs coaching staff. If you want this guy, you know, you miss your two safeties, you miss your corners. Like that's not a good sign. And I, I do want to put this out there. Like it is hard to recruit when you have no job security, but it didn't feel like Kerry Combs didn't have any he, it feels like they both built back their job security, Matt Barnes and stuff, until the Michigan game. But I, I just, it's just tough to, it's tough to fathom they missed that many recruits. It felt like the number I think they put in the chat was two for eighteen. That's what it felt like, and you can't go two for eighteen if you're a coach at Ohio State. Yeah, I, I just no, it's, it's unacceptable. Um, especially because it's not a guarantee that Ryan Day is going to fire these people. So, yeah, and like, maybe they will, or maybe, or maybe they were honest with the recruits and they told them people were leaving. I don't know. Maybe the recruits know something that we don't, but it's not a guarantee that they're going to fire these people, especially all of them. Um, it's just, it's just, I'm mind blown. Yeah, uh, and outside of that, I mean, it was a good day. I don't think this day got too out of hand. I don't think like a lot of people act like the world was burning. A lot of the stuff that Ohio State missed on was misses from months and weeks ago, and everyone just kind of rehashed it open on signing day because it's kind of hard to see all these recruits that you were in on or felt like you were in on signing with other schools. So I totally understand kind of that anger and vitriol. Like, yeah, it sucks. But we knew a lot of this stuff. The only surprise today was Terrence Brooks flipping. And if you followed anything the last three or four days, you knew he was probably going to flip. So Ohio State closed out their class. They got the guys who wanted to be there. And I think it's still a very good class. Um, That being said, uh, I kind of want to transition a little away from recruiting, kind of change everybody's brain up here before we head off into the break. Uh, 
Me and Jordan both did a little bit of a film study on Jim Knowles, the new defensive coordinator, and I'm working on one more tonight. It's probably actually just going to be the December of Knowles, if I'm being honest, until I have to prepare for that Utah game on January 1st. Uh, but Jim Knowles, how how how'd you feel after watching the film? I, I kind of want to just give some Jim Knowles love because we were just hammering the defensive staff there. Jim Knowles <laughs> is awesome. That's my takeaway. First of all, I, I should have pulled up the exact quote, but essentially Ryan Day admitted that Jim Knowles is going to be up here a little bit early to get a lay of the land and that he is going to talk to him about building a staff around him. And those are Ryan Day's words. Um, so Jim Knowles is going to have some say in the defensive coaching staff, which means there will be changes. I highly doubt he'll just get to bring his guys because unless there's a bunch of, you know, underrated guys at Oklahoma State, it's do you really want Oklahoma State staff? Maybe like one one guy or something. I don't know. I don't know. They, they, they did really good. So maybe the guys are really good coaches and we just don't know it. But I just want to put that out there. There are going to be some changes and Jim knows is going to have some say, which is important because it's going to be helpful to have another person in the room, even if it's only one or two, however, whatever it is, it's going to be nice to have someone who fully understands his system because he's going to have to teach it to the coaches before he can teach it to the players. Yeah. Somebody who um, has a system. Let's, let's mind you that. Yeah. You know, that's bringing something with him, but man, I, I watched one game. And I watched one game because I wanted to find one or two clips. And in the first five minutes, I had three. And I had said no to a couple because you had already done a film study. Like, if you hadn't, like, if I was just doing an overall film study that wasn't just a run game, I would have had six or seven clips in the first five minutes. And so it was just like, I, I only watched the one and I had six clips and I had to turn some down. Um, a lot of them that I focused on was were on third and short um, because that's important and and, it, and when you're stopping the run, um, it's just like the guy is he. The only way to put it is he's ballsy and he's crazy because there's a couple of things that he does that's like man if if that doesn't work that's a touchdown yeah um, that's <laughs> he um, he does have some steel balls for sure like this guy's absolutely insane like i me and jordan talked about this a lot off the show like throughout the week when we were kind of doing them and this dude is an absolute mad scientist uh, and i think the my biggest takeaway from it was just the way he hides things in his like base defensive look, the way he hides his coverages, the way he uses three safeties to not really give any keys because all three safeties can do every single job. The way he moves his linebackers around, the way he moves from a three three five to like a three uh, like a four four three to like a three four two five, like the way he just moves around talent to match up against different personnel. Uh, I guess you could call those adjustments, which we're not used to seeing. Uh, it's incredible. So I, I think for you guys, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot different. I, I don't know how. I mean, Brian Day better give this guy all the freedom in the world because I want to see a lot of these players in this type of scheme. Because I think you know, I look at guys like Court Williams. I look at guys like Josh Proctor, who's going to be back. I think these guys can be insane players in this system. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, you go ahead. I was, I was just gonna say I agree with that, and I think that like so one thing one thing that okay so I watched the Kansas State game. One thing that stuck with me, right? Kansas State, if you don't know, has a really good running back in Deuce Vaughn. Like they do run the ball. They're not a super heavy passing team. So throughout the game that I'm watching, on short yardage, they go. They start in 11 personnel, which if you don't know, one running back, one tight end. So it's a spread formation. They get stopped. The next time it's 11 personnel, they get stopped. The next time it's 12 personnel, right? So they're like, okay, so we're not getting this done with one tight end. Let's bring in a second one to hope we can get to stop the run. They get stopped. They bring in 12 personnel again. They get stopped. I think another time. They bring in like an extra offensive lineman. Like there's like one there's one particular play. I think it's in my film study. Maybe I'm making it up, but I think there's one particular play where there's like only one wide receiver on the field, and it's a short yardage. And I I, I mentioned this because his defense was stopping the run so well that Kansas State was like, we need to bring more blockers as a progression. Like they progressed from 11 to 12 to 13 to whatever to try to pick up these third downs, and they got stuffed on all of them. Like he he and 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 they got stuffed on all of them in different ways. Like different I don't, ways. I don't, it was incredible. I don't see him do the same thing twice often. There was one play that you had in yours that was just mind-boggling to me because, you know, motion gave Ohio State so many issues this year. Anytime a team would motion or shift formations, Ohio State would get thrown into a cluster, into chaos, and there was nothing that Ohio State could do to combat motion, just simple motions. One of the plays you had, the receiver motioned across. The play took him away, so guess what? Jim Knowles does. They have him check that receiver to the safeties, move him across. The safety on the opposite side will take him if he crosses the formation. That allowed the cornerback to play in the run game in the box after they handed it off. So the line counted all these guys to block in the box. They counted them. It was a zone run scheme, and they handed the ball off, and guess who was able to fill because he was unaccounted for just because of the way that Jim Knowles allows his defense to check that cornerback who filled and made a play inside the box at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. And I think one of the most important things for me, and this is, this is uh, a preference, right? I like when the biggest guys are the edge defenders. I like when the defensive ends set the edge. Like I don't like when shifts and adjustments and stuff like that end up making the corner set the edge. And in a lot of places and that motion, if you didn't check it out, please do. And on that motion, most times, that corner is an overhang defender who sets the edge, um, which is why most corners aren't there. But in Nose's defense, the defensive ends always set the edge. No matter what, no matter if it's a no matter if it's a stunt, <clears throat> anything like that, the defensive ends typically, sometimes it's a linebacker, but largely the defensive ends set the edge, which like you said, allowed that guy to come back. He was essentially playing at linebacker death, but a little bit outside, and he made a tackle and and really their defense plays really, really fast, so maybe it wouldn't have been a touchdown. But he made a tackle at six yards that would have went 25 if he wasn't there or if he was in a different spot because they didn't let the corners play in that spot. And it's like everyone knows their spot. Everyone covers for the other. Like that – and. it's just – it's literally like we were talking about. Like the defense just plays on a string. Um and I think the most impressive thing for me, and this is something that is taught, the most impressive thing for me is the effort. There was another yeah. play. 
Absolutely. Send the, the, there's another play. They send a guy in motion. And so while they shift a little, typically, at least in the game that I watched, the guy who has him in man coverage runs across the field with them. So guy motions across the field. The defender runs across the field. Guy cuts back. So he motions left, right? He cuts back and he ends up getting the ball on a sweep. So it's supposed to shock you. The defender who had him in man coverage is one of four people who make the tackle. So this guy ran all the way from the right side of the field to the left, realized his guy got the ball and sprinted to help make a tackle when there was already linebackers, there was another safety, and there was a defensive end there. But he came from literally the other side of the field and was the fourth guy to make the tackle. That's effort because he could have just been like, oh, let me replace. Let me do this. My guy got the ball. These guys are already there. He's literally sprinting to get in on the tackle. Uh, after running, the field is 52 yards, if you didn't know that. He probably ran a good 70 yards in that one play, going from one side of the field to the other and then running back to stop an outside run. And that's just pure effort. Like, everyone's there. And it's I literally watched that play like four times because I'm trying to figure out where the fourth guy is coming from. Like, who are all these people in on this tackle? And I finally realized, like, this is the guy who had him in motion. The guy who just ran all the way across the field. He sprinted to help get in on this tackle. And that's taught. And that's one of the most exciting things for me is what he's going to teach the players. And then you add in there just natural athletic ability and size. Like, I genuinely do think it has a chance to be special. Yeah, it's insane. And I I always think about – I always try to, like, find things that, like, help me connect. Like, what this makes it – things that make it make sense to me. And I was trying to find a way to describe this defense, and I was just watching TV. And then a Bruce Lee-like thing came on, and he was talking about the the, that water quote Bruce Lee has. You know what I'm talking about, right? It's like, be like water. That's a Jim Knowles defense. It's water. It literally does what it shape. Like something comes smashing in. Guess what? They're able to play physical back. Like, you know, they need to fit into, uh, they need to cover quads. They know exactly how to do it at all times. They need to cover a power run team, a team that runs with two fullbacks and all that stuff. They do that all the time. And it's incredible how well they take the shape of whatever they need to be. Yeah, there was one play. I don't remember in detail because I wasn't doing the pass coverage, but there was one play where the team was in a bunch and they played the bunch perfectly. One other thing, this is like very minor things, but these are the things that I care about. And these are the things that hopefully if you listen to us to learn more details about football, like maybe you will. But like to be honest, like these minor details are why Ohio State's defense has been bad. Yeah. So I'm watching them and literally their defense, if they're not on the same level, which is typically the safeties, their defense is a staircase. And if you don't understand why that's important, it's because you can never get picked if you play at different levels. And I'm literally watching like a trips and one corners, they're all in man, but one corners press. The other one's probably at five. The other one's at seven. The two linebackers, one's at like six, one's at like five and a half. Like they play in a staircase unless they're purposely playing on the same level because you can't pick them that way. It allows if you if your guy goes inside, you're at five. I'm at seven. You can just run underneath me. It doesn't affect me at all. It, it like it affects you when you're on the same level. And that is that is not players just doing whatever they want to that's taught there's multiple times where it's like the depth that they're playing at is so exact and those are like 
there were plays where, where guys went outside and there was always an edge because they were at different depths. No one ran into each other. Even if you got the play wrong, which didn't seem to happen much. Again, I only watched one game. You don't mess up your teammates because every little minor detail matters. And those are the little things that are very important. Like you may watch the film and not care that, you know, that the guys are at different levels or may not think about it, but there's a reason for it. Yeah. And that's, that's the detail that he goes into in his defense. Yeah. And when you talk about the modern game of football, so much of it's rub and so much of it's kind of creating that conflict between press man defenders. That's what Ohio state put Purdue in a blender for was how much man they played and just being able to get them to run into each other and all that stuff. But yeah, honestly, after doing the film study, I just think this is going to be incredible to watch on the field, but also incredible to watch people take it in and like, truly try to comprehend what's going on on the field it's absurd it's fun if you have an opportunity go check out our film studies we work really hard on them and i think they're very informative so uh before we move on with the show i do want to take a quick break for our sponsors because i have to not because i want to like i said uh but we will see you guys on the flip side and we're going to get back into some of the conversations i saw you guys getting into on twitter on early signing day. So we'll see you guys on the flip side. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back in, everybody. This is your host, Christopher Rennie here. Uh, We are in the 11th hour of this phenomenal show today. Uh, this, This show has really been a lot of fun talking about the recruiting stuff, talking about Jim Knowles just to really get into that because i think we had to talk about that but you know i i i keep seeing people saying that the nil is ruining college football today of all days the nil is ruining college football and i i just kind of i want to get your initial thoughts on that statement there nil is ruining college football i've seen a lot of people say that and i just disagree 100 like wholeheartedly disagree with it i i want to say this if you think NIL is ruining college football and you are above the age of 50. Okay. Whatever. I don't value. I I disagree, but whatever. If you are under the age of 50, you have no right to that opinion in my, in my opinion, and you're just flat out wrong. Here's the thing, regardless, first of all, just business wise, all of that other kind of stuff, the market's going to correct itself. The NCAA, the Congress, and the, the the heads of football, the Power Five, is going to see how this goes, and they're going to make rules. You can't make rules until you see what happens. That's going to happen. It always corrects itself. It will, right? First of all, for those who think it's going too crazy, maybe it is because it's the first time it ever happened. But the most important thing here is that no matter what happens, whether a player gets a dollar or a player gets $75 million to go play at Texas, for 150 years, these schools, these coaches, these media companies, all of this kind of stuff has built millions, million, from millions to the coaches to billions of dollars for these schools, programs and media companies off the backs of these kids who have earned 
zero dollars. Literally up until less than 10 years ago, if you got injured, a coach could kick you off the team and not have to pay your scholarship and your education was over. So for people to say like Dabble to say education was first, no, there had to be an amendment to the rule saying that even if they get injured, they can be retired, but you still have to pay their scholarship. And you want to know how they did that? They did that by telling the coaches that the scholarship didn't count against the 85. They had to give them a competitive advantage for coaches to be nice guys and say, we're still going to pay your academic scholarship. And that was less than 10 years ago. I don't remember the exact year, but it was probably more like five or six because Urban, I know for a fact Urban was at Ohio State when it happened. So all of these years, these people have made from millions to billions of dollars off the back. ESPN is ESPN to where it is today, a Disney company off the back of college basketball and college sports. ESPN was some local company and they got in on this stuff and they got in early. Like they're like we like Longhorn Network, Big Ten Network, all of these things solely off the backs of these players. So I don't care what they get paid and I don't care who pays them. They deserve it. This They're getting this for the hundreds of thousands of players who never got it. And if you're one of those players who didn't get it and you're upset, I don't care. Like, I, I'm sorry. Like, it sucked that you didn't get it, but you can't be one of those people that say, I had it bad. They should have a bad too. You should be happy that they're getting it. You should be happy that they're getting it. So I don't care what happens. I don't care if Ohio State loses a commit because he gets paid by Texas or two commits. I don't care if Alabama pulls out. I don't care if they get trucks. Honestly, the worst part about them having deal uh, having things with car dealerships is they have to deal with people who own car dealerships. Like, this is fine. This is good. There will be some slight corrections. They're going to have to make a decision on if what Texas is doing is legal with what seems to be pay for play. They will make a decision on that, but it's fine. They deserve it. Let them make their money. Stop complaining about these kids getting a thousand dollars or the one out of freaking 300 who was rumored to get a million dollars that no one can prove. Like, just let them freaking do it. They deserve it. You know how much time and effort they put in? so much it's it's incredible and like I, I think the biggest point you made is like so many people are profiting off of them that it's extremely like it's just awful that they weren't able to make money off themselves like for, literally like and i get it espn puts them on a platform like the schools like these guys like i i mean in europe they don't even have college sports they have academies and clubs to do the same serve the same purpose and all those kids get paid and stuff so that's where it's interesting to me. Uh, but I, I kind of wanted to run down this like checklist on what really changed today, like NIL wise, because I, I want everyone to know this, like regardless of how much NIL money Texas can promise, or regardless of how much Texas A&M can promise, uh, there's still 25 scholarship spots. Uh, that is not, that's that's going to be the case. That's always going to be the case, and it won't change any time in the near future. Uh, the second thing I also want to say is NIL money does not affect every single player the same. Uh, if you're a, like, not everybody's the number one overall recruit with a mullet with like a hundred thousand followers on social media. Yeah. Not everyone has that kind of stuff, you know. Uh, and it's and just to that point. Just really quickly to that point, most NIL is like offensive linemen getting free meals, right? It's a couple hundred dollars here by people, by you signing your autograph or a free car where let's be honest, 
if we're going to talk about where a lot of these players come from, especially the black ones, they do not come from rich families. This may be the first car they've ever had. Their parents may not be able to afford them a car. Like this is not like this is life changing in the instance of if like some of them. We remember Kemba Walker, who was literally starving. And that's another rule that they had to change the change. Um, But like. This is life changing in the instance of like it provides things that they didn't have a couple hundred dollars here, a thousand dollars there, a nice car to drive around when you didn't have a car. But it's not life changing like millions upon millions of dollars like in the NFL. Yeah. And I I think that's something people are missing. Like just because you're like Harry Miller's a guy um, is he comes from like a very um well-mannered family raised him very well. He's donating almost all of his NIL earnings to charity. Like that's incredible stuff that was banned by the NCAA for like 150 years. So like, don't come at me with like, this is just this, this is what happens in every other business in every other industry, but they weren't allowed to because of this guise of amateurism. It's pathetic. It's like a terrible argument. And anyone who still kind of holds those beliefs is wrong. Um, I think at the end of the day, the rule that's been more affected by NIL money is the transfer portal. The one-time transfer rule is way more impactful to college football than, and that's still, that should be fair. As a college student, I transferred. I transferred from a junior college to a real college, or not a real college, sorry, a full, <laughs> uh, a four-year university. Um, so I want to be a real boy. <laughs> yeah. So I went, I went from a junior college to a four-year university, and I was able to do that freely. No, nothing held me back. Like kids should be able to rotate between schools. I think they're, you can't. yeah, you have to meet academic requirements. You have to do all that stuff to transfer, like even so. Yeah. You can't look at what Mario Cristobal, Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly did. And then tell me kids shouldn't be able to transfer hundred percent. Like it just, this is like the, this is like the double standard that is like played college football for this entire time. And then I think the last thing I kind of want to say before we get into this a little bit more is I just don't really have a problem with the NIL money impacting recruiting because guess what? It hasn't impacted recruiting because we talked about this pre-show. You want to know how many schools I, – I, it's either seven or eight. I lost count. I can't count very well. I think you said seven. Yeah, I think it's seven schools have been in the top five in recruiting classes over the last five years. Seven. Uh, guess what? 2022, the first year of NIL. Uh, the same five. Yeah. No one knew. I, I just- I saw a funny tweet, and if you listen to the to the show, shout out. But someone said, "Imagine you were Texas, and you flipped the guy from Ohio State on signing day, and landed several other high ranked guys, and you have nine more commits than Ohio State, and you still can't pass Ohio State in the team rankings." It's incredible. Like, uh, like, literally, Texas flipped a guy from Ohio State, a guy from Michigan, a guy from Baylor. And I believe a guy from Oklahoma, all four-star guys, and all it did was get them in the top five, which is, first of all, it's a great class. First time in three years. Yeah, they've done that under Tom Herman and didn't do anything. Like, the top is still the top. Ohio State's still fine. Yeah, like, UGA, Ohio State, Texas, USC, Texas A&M. I said uh, Alabama and Clemson were the seven teams that – had top five classes. Guess what? I don't think that's changing. 
It's not. It's <laughs> not. Funny. Because guess what? We've got a Rick Riker. We've got a Mark Wahlberg Chevrolet. We've got great NIL deals. We just don't have to do it illegally through a slush fund because we're not desperate. Yeah, the kids are still going to come here. Um, oh, yeah. This is one point I forgot to make. Kids are going to chase their exposure. They're going to chase the best opportunity to get to the NFL. And by chasing that opportunity, it's going to give them the most NIL exposure. So that was my last point. I forgot. Yeah. So it's just like, it's not that big of a deal. It's really not. The one thing that changed was Deion Sanders landing the number one recruit in the country. That's a good thing. At Jackson State, that's a good thing that Jackson State can do that. Uh, I don't. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think I read something today that it's not really going to change who's there, but it's going to change how they look when they're up there. And rather than being like six five stars, like seventeen four stars, and like like eight three stars, you know, it's going to be leaned a little more three star, a little less high school recruits. Classes are going to be a little smaller, and that's how it's going to change. But overall, yeah. it's not going to change anything about the teams. And, and the other thing that we have to be mindful of is we are most likely going to have to recondition ourselves uh, over what is a good class at Ohio State, because it's still going to be a top five class. But it's going like you're saying, it's going to look different because here's the thing. Alabama's Alabama. Texas A&M decided it knows how to recruit. Texas is going to recruit better. I mean, they have, but they're still good. Clemson may fall off, but. The point that I'm actually making, LSU is still going to be there. Georgia still going to be there. Oklahoma. Florida might, Florida might Florida. be there. I mean, Billy just, Napier just got two top 100 recruits. He's been on the job for a week. USC yeah. is back. Miami is back. Like, the schools recruiting like, is going to spread out a little bit more. Schools like Oregon, Washington, they could get into play with more of these middle five stars that want to – four stars that want to play immediately. So, yeah, like when we look at our recruiting numbers, right, we may not get 94s, 95s, 97s anymore with the overall like team composite. It may be like 91, but that 91 is still going to be six points or however you want to say it over the next class. And that class is going to be number five, but it's going to be at 85. Like we may not continue to break these records for composites and that kind of stuff, because I do genuinely think like USC being back is good for the sport. Miami being back is good for the sport. Like some of this stuff is going to spread out a little bit. So we are going to have to deal with losing more recruits because we're no longer just competing against Clemson, Georgia, and Alabama. We're going to be competing like competing against Oklahoma is not going to be the same as competing against uh, against um, USC. And Lincoln Riley's smart. He's gonna be up in the. He's gonna be up in Washington. That occasional recruit where it seems like we get every good recruit out of Washington. Yeah, we're gonna have to fight for that guy now because. And Washington just got a real freaking coach. Kalen DeBoer is a good coach. He's a really good like, coach. It's just going to spread out. So just be prepared yeah. to recondition yourself a little bit about this. We need to get every single recruit that we lay our eyes on. Because, yeah, you got to think about the route before NIL money, before all that stuff. The route was you go to Ohio State, you go to Alabama, you go to LSU, you go to these premier powers in power conferences. You either sit, wait one or two years, then play your junior year and get drafted. Or, you know, you play out your – four or five years, end up playing a little bit, get to the league. But the goal was never to come in and make money. It was to get to the NFL, which is still the main goal because the money you make in the NFL is going to be much different than what an auto dealer can give you during college. 
uh, and just staying around locally. This is crazy to me, but like I, I tweeted at someone today. I was like, I thought I knew a lot about NIO. I thought I knew a lot about this stuff. Then today happened and I'm like, I'm going to learn something new tomorrow. And that's how it's going to be. And that's something we all have to prepare for. But at the end of the day, uh, this is a good thing for the sport. I think the idea that the top four or five teams were going to stay the top four or five teams, I never really sat well with me because I, I think people want different things. Some people want financial gain. Some people want to go to a school that's going to get them to the NFL. Some kids want to be a star immediately so they could capitalize off themselves. Like there's different goals and everyone wants something different. So there's going to be different results in recruiting. But I think at the end of the day, uh, next year, if it's not one of these, if it's not one of the, if it's not three of these teams and like four or five other teams, I'd be shocked. Yeah, um, but here's the biggest thing. First of all, the recruiting is not going to change because of NIL. If the recruiting changes, it's going to be because all of these schools who decided that they didn't care about football actually hired good coaches. Washington has a good coach. USC has a good coach. I don't think Venables is going to be successful from a wins and loss record, but OU has a good coach. Miami has a good coach. Um, Like, Virginia, like these schools are starting to come back up. It's not going to be NIL money. NIL money, in my opinion, may affect one or two recruits. But at the end of the day, here's the thing, right? If everyone is equal, Ohio State still has more money than most places. So what's going to happen is the checklist is going to be this. Who can get me to the league? Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia. Uh, who can get me the most rea- like followers on Twitter? Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia. Who can pay me the most? Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia. Who is going to win an Ohio? Who's going to win a national championship? Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia. Who has the most money to get me nil money? Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia. Like anything. Like the top schools are still going to be the top schools because part of the reason the top schools is because they have the most money to invest in football. Like. NIL, like you can tell me I'm wrong when NIL starts having guys from Florida go to Colorado State because he signed an NIL deal. Yeah, when that happens, 100%. tell me I'm wrong. But if it's a Florida guy going to Bama, he was going there anyway. It's like Terrence Brooks in Texas. Yes, we can all get mad at the NIL stuff that Texas is doing. But at the end of the day, it's a Texas kid flipping to stay home at Texas. Like that happens every single year. And it just happened to Ohio state. So Ohio state fans are pissed off at Texas for having these slush funds. And they're like, why isn't Ohio state doing this? It doesn't need to. We still have a better class in Texas. Yeah. Well, speaking of, cause you know, the, the, the podcasting gods, the, the Buckeye gods love to break news during this podcast. Ooh. Supposedly, um, some random thing was like, open the wallet for the players. And Brian Schottenstein was like, don't worry. I'll be starting a 5013C nonprofit for the players soon. Details to follow. Yeah, shout out to the Schottensteins. That's what I'm talking about. So, I mean, I mean, who knows what's going to happen with that? I'm not I'm not sitting here telling you Ohio State's going to start playing ball because Ryan Day already had a quote where he was like where he basically said setting up um 
setting up NIL deals for recruits is not a business that they need to be in. Also, just the technicality, most universities, especially Ohio State, also don't set up NIL deals for players. They just approve them, especially yeah. when it comes to the brand logo. So Ryan Day does not believe in setting up NIL deals. And it's probably a good thing because I do think there's going to be rules about this. But just saying, if you did want to know, one of the biggest pockets in Columbus did tweet and say that um, – He's going to start one. So maybe yeah. maybe, maybe Ohio State's going to get in and start playing. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, Eli Ricks is going to Bama also because the guy just loved to break news on this show, uh, which apparently two weeks ago, Eli Ricks wasn't a tank. So Nick Saban's yeah. morals have once again Whoa. shifted to gain a competitive advantage. Ohio State Buckeyes are already at it. Another account, and if you you know listen to the show, shout out to you, I guess. Uh, difference between Ohio State and Bama. Bama takes Ricks. OSU cancels Ricks visits. Saban is always making championships moves. I don't care. Get over it. Yeah, like, I, I, I don't care about the Ricks thing. I really don't. Um, we were dealing with it last week, but I just brought it up because he committed. Yeah, I know. I just immediately after you saw that, I saw a tweet of someone immediately complaining about Ohio State not taking risks. Yeah. And so I just so, wanted to remind people. Nick it Saban's matter. Nick Saban. It doesn't matter. Like, he could do things that, like, other coaches can't. Like, he's always been able to do that. Now, now I'm not even saying illegal stuff. I'm just saying, like, oh, that kid was literally, like, on camera beating his girlfriend. I, this is, like, not an example that's real. I'm just making one up. He's like, Saban has the clout, the cash to be like, we're going to rehabilitate this guy and make him a real benefit to society. And that's kind of the difference. Like Ryan Day hasn't earned that cash yet. Yeah. And just again, regardless, Eli Ricks is not going to be the sole individual reason Alabama wins a national championship next year. And he's not going to be the sole individual reason Ohio State doesn't. And I think something else that Ohio State fans are like, a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, Eli Ricks, he's a dog. You need to get guys like that. What, a guy who was very indecisive in his initial recruitment, a guy who said he was going to transfer from LSU, said he was going to come to Ohio State, didn't, went back to LSU, a guy who once again transferred. So he's been in college for three years and two of them he's threatened, or two years and two of them he's been in the transfer portal. That's the guy you want to bring in. I don't know. I'm good. That's the like, guy I, I want to bring in. I don't want to bring in a guy who, uh, you know, he misses some time. He's not in favor of the coaches. Uh, he leaves. Like, that's not someone you bring into a program that's built on culture. Like, what does Brian Day always talk about? The brotherhood. That's not That's not what you do. You know, Saban doesn't have a brotherhood. Everyone who goes to Bama knows it's all business. Yeah. And it's just – I don't. I just. I just don't think it's. It's just not that big of a deal. It's really yeah, not. Like corner it's, wasn't the problem last year. And it's. It's. There's going to be other guys. Ohio State has been honestly like. I'm has, more mad about Stogner than Ricks. That's the thing. Well, Stogner. Ohio State didn't lose Stogner. Uh, his best friend, and this has been proven, they're really close. His best friend said, "Transfer with me," and he did it. Yeah, you gotta like, respect the brotherhood. You gotta respect like, brotherhood. You gotta respect yeah, it. Bro. It's just being news. Are you gonna? Are you more likely to transfer with your friend to a new place or alone by yourself? I, you're gonna go with your friend. I get it. The um. Was, I was going to say something, and then you made a good point about Stockner. Um, I, I don't remember what I was going to say, but essentially the one thing is this. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Name a team 
except Michigan State's probably number two right now. Name a team who has done better with transfers in Ohio State. We have freaking Justin Fields. That's yeah, the best. That is that's sing- right. We didn't need singularly, singularly the best transfer of all time, in my opinion. I don't care about anything else. We got Trey Sermon, who literally led us, because the offense and defense wasn't that great, led us to the playoffs, to a national championship. And we may not have won, but the game would have been different if he was if healthy. He played. Jonah yeah. Jackson solidified yeah, a major weakness in our <laughs> offensive line and is now an NFL starter. There has not been a, in my opinion, and I, I don't know all the teams everywhere, so I know, like, but, like, there's not been a singular team who has been more frugal and also more successful in the portal than us. Because it's easy for Michigan State to take 20 guys and hit on six. It's not easy to take three guys and hit on all three of them. And all three of them are in the league. And Trey Sermon is doing recruiting pitches for Ohio State after one season and not Oklahoma after three. Like, come on. Like, they're doing it right. Just let them do it. Yeah, I think – Ryan Day, like when you talk about like rich people getting richer, like Ryan Day only invests in blue chip stocks when it comes to the transfer portal. Like that's how I see it. Like I don't think it's an it's necessarily an issue. Like I think his comments today in his interview were like, you don't want to live in the transfer world. You don't want to live in the transfer portal if you're Ohio State. You want to get guys the traditional route, develop them and make them into Ohio State football players. The reason you bring in a transfer like Justin Fields, the reason you bring in a transfer like Jonah Jackson is because, number one, they're proven leaders. Number two, they fill an immediate need on your team. Uh, I I know a lot of people don't really care much for seven banks, uh, I I think, but Cam Brown's really the argument. Do you think Eli Ricks comes in and is that much better than Cam Brown, who's been a really good corner when healthy? Like, I don't think that's an easy answer. Like, I don't. I don't think it's about attrition either. I just think you've got a good room. Why ruin it? And my thing, and and this is, I want to be clear, this is not to disparage Eli Ricks because I don't know all the ins and outs. But here's the other thing you have to think about. He had, I just pulled up because I saw him on Twitter. I just pulled up his Twitter. He just had surgery on October 19th. Sure, he should be fine next year, but you don't know that for sure. Also, he's two seasons because he's going to be a junior. He has one year's eligibility left. He's played 14 games in two seasons. Like, I'm sorry if that's not the guy you want to bet on. And like, and and again, like I understand you want him. That's fine. I'm not telling you. We're not telling you to be to not want him. We're just telling you to not act like it's a referendum on the program, and they needs to be fired because of it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think using that as a barometer on dumb decision Ryan Day's made is wrong. I think the dumb decisions he's made are keeping Kerry Combs on the staff. I think those and dumb decisions stud. and stud. I think being loyal to some of these guys who haven't really earned the loyalty with Ryan day are kind of why I know he wanted continuity in his program, but at that point it's, it's, it's your time. It's your show. Take the wheel. You know, I think you could comment on those things, but I, I respect him being like, Hey, I don't need to take a bunch of transfers because we respect these guys in the room. I think we've got a really talented bunch. That is what you want from your coach. Like, do you think Nick Saban's bringing in Jameson Williams if he has Devontae Smith, if he has John Mechie, if he has those guys from last year? Jalen Waddle? No, he's not because he doesn't need them. You take – when you're as good as Ohio State, you take the transfers who immediately benefit you, who won't alter the trajectory of other players, and at position of needs. That's the number one thing. And they have to be good leaders and all that other jargon that coaches love to use. 
Yeah, and so it's like that's fine that Alabama took him. Um, people don't like to admit it, but Alabama's defense is not as good as um, what people think it is. It's just I just can't get mad over one individual player. It's about the aggregate. It's about the whole. Even if Eli Ricks is better than Denzel Burke and Cameron Brown, is he better than the two of them together? It's, do we know that he's better than Jaquelin Johnson? Do we know that he's better than all the players that we have that we're bringing in? Like, he just, we don't know. So I'm not. I, I just can't get worked up over something yeah. so minor, especially when the best ability is availability, and he hasn't proven that ability. So, yeah, at the end of the day, I I think we're on the same page. I think you guys should jump on our page because we've been right a lot. We've told you time and time again that we're right all the time. So uh, not to do our own horns, but I think this is going to be a fun topic because we kind of jumped the gun here and went to the transfers. But we've all seen the graphics at this point. We've all seen them. I know this is just something that cracks Jordan up because this also proved Jordan right from a few of our past conversations. Uh, The Big Ten West – can't recruit. <laughs> they are so bad at recruiting. Fire uh, everyone in the Big Ten West, like quarterbacks, running backs, but now the coaches, especially. Like I, I don't, I don't even know how it. I, I'm looking at these schools. I want to pull up the graphic because it's in our in our Slack chat. But looking at these schools, it's absolutely incredible the difference in these guys as. This team has like, – it's so – it's insane. Okay, so 1 through 7 is the Big Ten East. 8 through 14 is the Big Ten West. Like, that's all you need to know. Hold on. That doesn't tell you enough. That doesn't tell you enough. I don't know why the Big Ten Network uh, retweeted this. So they did, they did a 2022 recruiting class, and they did top commits national ranking for each team. Oh. Listen to this. Ohio State, 12. Michigan, 20. Um Penn State 27, Indiana 58, Maryland 108, uh, Rutgers 167, Michigan State 187. So everyone on the East had a top 200 player, right? Yep. Here's the West. Iowa 45, Wisconsin 75. That's good. Solid. Cool. Then you go Nebraska 190, Northwestern 226, Purdue 227, Minnesota 313, and Illinois 631. These are the highest rated recruit. Five out of seven on the West were 190 and below. Only two out of seven would have made it on the list with the East, and they would have been the fourth and sixth highest recruits respectively from the east side so yeah it's easy to say one through seven is the east seven through whatever but like the difference between the worst highest rated recruit is michigan state on the east is 187 where illinois is 631 that is a major difference that is yeah. huge they're not even trying they're, they're literally not even trying so, yeah, hear this. Uh, when you look at the team recruiting rankings, uh, the national rank for Ohio State's four, Penn State, like the Big Ten, the lowest in the Big Ten East is 27th. The highest in the Big Ten West is 35th with Purdue. And the lowest is Nebraska with 60. So the Big Ten West ranges from 35 to 60, and the Big Ten East ranges from 4 to 27. And this was someone – I've seen this tweeted by three or four of the beat writers. That is why – the Big Ten East is undefeated. 
in Big Ten championship games and why the Big Ten ought to do away with divisions. Yeah, it's a joke. It's a joke. It really is. Like the, I think you said it before we got on the show. If you got rid of divisions uh, and you had the Big Ten East guys get to play two or three of those teams from the West each year, their win total would improve by two or three each year. Literally. And that's that's all you guys need to know about the difference in the Big Ten. Uh, that's just a funny conversation topic. But I, I don't even really know how to get into the science here. But I will say this. It does suck because, you know, you look at the Big Ten West. It's Purdue. Uh, not a great recruiting area. Iowa. I think they've had two top 100 recruits in the last 20 years. Uh, Northwestern academic school have academic requirements. Wisconsin, not a great recruiting area. Nebraska, terrible recruiting area. Uh, Minnesota, not a great recruiting area. They they just are all in bad areas. So I get it. Like you kind of want to do it geographically, but you got to like give them a little bit of help by getting them into more. Because like, if you think about it, they get, three crossover games a year six of their games where they split at three and three where they travel they are traveling to also bad recruiting areas so like they don't even get an opportunity to showcase themselves in new jersey they don't get to show themselves in ohio they don't get to show themselves in michigan where there's actual really talented football recruits it's just not set up really well at all yeah, it's it's lack of trying. I don't care. Yeah, like, and honestly, for you to be that bad, it's lack of it's trying. A, it's like, astounding that okay. So like the private schools, like I don't know if Purdue's private. I think they're a private school. Purdue is great at finding what they need. Uh, Northwestern great at finding what they need. Uh, the schools like Minnesota, Nebraska. That side, the public schools, Iowa, like Iowa does a great job building their personnel as well. Wisconsin does it, but at the end of the day, there's a reason every single time they play a Big Ten East team, they get blown off the field. And it's because there's just a different level of athlete in the skill positions. And it's just, they just don't try. They don't try to recruit quarterbacks. They don't like they, – they don't try yeah, to do name anything. A, name a good quarterback in the Big Ten West, really. Like an elite – name a – like – I don't know. I like you go down the list. I don't think a Big Ten East quarterback. I think every Big Ten East quarterback could start in the Big Ten West. Just fire all the coaches in the Big Ten West, please. Yeah, let's Just start like over all the Big Ten West. Fire all of them and then um, get rid of divisions and let's go. Like literally, Penn State talked about it. Penn State's one of the leaders in divisions, and they talk about it because they're the team who is most negatively affected by having to play Ohio State all the time. And you can't say Michigan because that's a rival, so we would always play Michigan. They're most – and they've been better than Michigan in the last five years typically. They would have been to at least one, but multiple most likely, Big Ten championship games if it wasn't for divisions because they would have been the second highest rated team in the Big Ten. Yeah. They haven't been to they've they've only been to one or zero, I can't remember, because they have to play Ohio State. And when Ohio State is quote unquote down, Michigan's up. And when Michigan is quote unquote down, Ohio State's up. And when Ohio State's quote unquote down, Michigan State's up like 
Penn State has the hardest chance, and they've had teams that and and sure maybe it's a rematch against Ohio State where they get blown out, but they never get blow out blown out like and in Michigan playing Ohio State twice. I hate to say this as an Ohio State fan, but the way those games go, if we had to play Michigan twice, Ohio, uh, if we had to play Penn State twice in a season, some of those seasons we may have lost in the in the conference championship game because it's hard to beat a team twice. So they're one of the teams pushing for no divisions the most because what would their record be if they get like even playing Maryland and Rutgers is harder than playing Illinois or Northwestern on a down year or Purdue on most years when Aiden O'Connell's not throwing for 700 yards a game like yeah just get rid of it just get fire all the coaches get rid of divisions let's start over yeah 100% I think I think that's actually a good segue to like the end of this show honestly uh, I think we've been I, I love the shows where we just kind of get into rants and get into a rhythm a little bit but before we close it out early signing day has taken over signing day national signing day is cool for all the kids where the coaching changes happen but signing day is over we've got a few more on the board we're going to know a lot more in january during the all-american bowl games uh i guess let's let's transition let's close it out uh, you guys stress me out i know jordan's hungry i'm starting to get hungry what are your final thoughts on the show today um my final thoughts are there are my final thought is this just as a bit of perspective and positivity when you're mad about going 10 and 2 you have it good when you're mad about the number four recruiting class in the country you have it good i say that to myself and to everyone listening because i am also mad about 10 and 2 and also mad about the number four class in the country and sometimes you have to remind yourself that ohio state is still the haves and has it much better than others and we're like the team's going to be better next year. There's going to be some young guys who are no longer young guys. There's a lot like a lot of Tyleek Williams, Denzel Burke, a lot of these starters year two of CJ Stroud and CJ Stroud with a chip on his shoulder. Cause he's been disrespecting the off season. Like the, first of all, we're not even in the off season cause the season is still going. Just take a deep breath and remember you're mad about 10 and two. You're mad about the number four class in the country. We'll be all right. It's Ohio State. We're recession proof. I re- really appreciate that sentiment because I, I I thought I was crazy here. I, I thought like the world was ending and all that stuff. Uh, I hope you guys also really appreciate this year. And you know, when we look at this year, it's a reset year. Uh, Ohio State lost to Michigan. What happened the last time Ohio State lost to Michigan? We beat them nine straight times. I was gonna say I don't even know when's the last time we like, hired Urban Meyer. Like, <laughs> Ohio State changed everything when they lost to Michigan. It's gonna restart, and, and it kind of takes me to my final thought. Ohio State is playing in the Rose Bowl. We're gonna appreciate that game, but then it's gonna be full steam ahead with all of you, and I know it is. And we're gonna give you a great podcast. But I just want you guys to take this opportunity and take signing day. Take what's coming next. We're going to have the transfer portal. We're going to have all that stuff to talk about. But the Rose Bowl is going to be a lot of fun. And we're going to have Jim Knowles' defense talk about this offseason is about to get insane. And before we get too far ahead of that, Ohio State's playing in the Granddaddy Omaha. Uh, I think that is something that we've misunderstood. I think Ryan Day said it in his press conference today. These guys have a lot of pride. I, I think you're going to see a lot of young guys. I think a few of these guys are going to opt out, unfortunately, but good for them. 
Uh, it's going to be an awesome opportunity to see guys, hopefully Amika Agbuka, hopefully Julian Fleming, hopefully these guys getting some run at receiver. Uh, this is going to be a great time. These last bit of practices are a great opportunity for players to flash. These are great opportunities. This is The last week is incredible. It's going to be awesome getting into New Year's. And it's bowl season. It's bowl season. Let's enjoy college football. If you're a gambler, let's put some money down. If you just love college football, it's going to be a lot of fun. This is a great stretch. Don't harp too much on all this negativity you like to throw online. It's a good time to be a Buckeye, as always. And at the end of the day, Ohio State football is going to be back here on January 1st and then once again back here before we know it. Yeah. And Ohio State plays Kentucky Saturday in a really big basketball game. And Chris Oldman's a great guy, $50,000 to Kentucky. And I feel like we wouldn't be doing anyone a service if we didn't at least bring up the – tornado relief funds before we head out like that was an absolute tragedy of what happened and especially around the holidays if you have any uh if you have the ability it would be a great honor to like send you guys that way to donate some money i know we're just uh smaller independent ohio state podcasts uh with land grant holy land but uh it's it's really something that you guys everyone should be thinking about doing uh, yeah, a hundred percent. Watch the game. I'm gonna break my no basketball until January rule to watch the game. If you can donate, please donate. If you're someone who prays, you know, keep the family, uh, the families of those people um, in your prayers because there was multiple tragedies. It wasn't just the Amazon one. There was other factories and and things like that. Yeah, so, a lot of stuff um, going on, and it's 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 a tough time of year. Like this is a lot of time where a lot of people struggle with mental health. So take that consideration as well on top of all that uh if you guys like like we're gonna be with you guys if you guys ever need a voice to listen to uh we got you but if you ever need someone to talk to we're on twitter we're on social media we got you there too uh so yeah i just wanted to kind of end that out with a little holiday message a little thoughts and prayers message if you guys can help out those in need who need our help right now Un- unbelievable from the bug off family like that'd be extremely great for everybody involved uh, but yeah at the end of the day these things are hard to talk about I'm gonna rant I can ramble on for like three hours just trying to get you guys to help but at the end of the day I know you're all good people because you're Ohio State fans and we're gonna do what's right and that's what matters and before we head out the show I just want to say thank you to everyone we got a few more left this year we're gonna have a show next week we're gonna have a show one more week after that uh, it's going to be a great way to close out the year with you guys. And we're really thankful for everything you guys have done throughout the season for us uh, and made this really a fun experience. Uh, yeah, one, 100%. Thank you for listening. Thank you for following us on Twitter and talking to us and, uh, you know, arguing and agreeing and uh, treating some some of you treating us like as experts and asking our opinion on stuff like that's very cool. Like, you know, for someone to tweet you and be like, well, what do you think is going to happen? Like for people to care about your opinion. Um Thank you for, you know, dealing with these hour and a half podcasts because me and Chris like to talk. Um, And just as, you know, this is like when you're in college and your teacher hides something on the syllabus. If you made it to the end of the podcast, this is your reminder that Christmas is actually next week somehow. And so if you haven't finished your Christmas shopping, you should do that this weekend because like someone's going to forget. And so, like, this is your welcome to the end of the podcast. By the time you listen to this, Christmas is eight days away, maybe less. If you don't listen on Friday, go finish your Christmas shopping. Um, 
Yeah, that's, <laughs> I needed that reminder. And with that, uh, we're going to remind you guys where to find us. Jordan, where can we find you on social media? Uh, you can follow me on social media at JordanW330. Um, and look forward to talking to you. I just don't talk to me about Eli Ricks. Any yeah. other conversation, any other conversations, welcome. Uh, just I will not be responding to Eli Rick's tweets. Yeah, I am in that same boat. Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at Chris Rennie CFB. And then you can find the show at Book Off Pod, which is also me. I tweet off both. It kind of just depends on how I'm feeling on the day. Uh, but all in all, make sure you subscribe. Make sure you rate the shows. Make sure you listen to everybody else. I'm not going to go through the long list of names like I always do. But there's still every great content every day in the podcast feed. So just keep listening. Uh, it all goes to a good cause, a.k.a. me and Jordan. Uh, and as always, we appreciate you guys being here with us to the end. If you made it this far, if you haven't, uh, oh, great. Yeah, we appreciate you listening to whatever you wanted to listen to in the show. Uh, I will see you guys next week. Uh, yep, go Bucks.